Yo, 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 what's up? It's Greg Santos. Welcome to episode 458 of CEO Life. You are the CEO of your life, whether you want to be or not. Holy fuck, man, it's been crazy. Because look, six years ago, I made the decision to have my own business, travel around the world, speak on stages, and to live life how I want to live. And today, I have that, okay? I just spoke to a Norwegian consulting group yesterday on Zoom. And they're speaking Norwegian and English was their second language. And it was fucking crazy. Before I start speaking, the host is speaking to them in Norwegian. I'm like, whoa. And there was like 27 people in this consulting firm that I spoke to. And I'm going to be speaking to the Financial Times later on this month. And that's apparently like the biggest business publishing company in the world or some shit. I'm speaking to a specific division within the Financial Times, which is really cool. And we're going to be going hard in terms of getting on stages, podcasts, webinars, associations, trainings, events, summits, all of that. And we are excited beyond belief. When I say we, Yasmina and myself are very, very excited. But here's what's really crazy. And this is what I didn't expect. And I saw this, but I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. Because I worked so hard for this for many years, I just it just didn't make sense to me. It just didn't make sense. And it's so true. I hit the biggest goal I set for myself. I have confidence. I have the social circle I want. I have my own business and I'm traveling. And I hit this little mini depression. And it's like, why the fuck do I feel this way? I'm out here in Cambridge and I'm looking at this big building last week and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, that's just a fucking building. There's nothing special about this. It's a beautiful building. You saw it. First time you see it, you're like, damn, look at that fucking castle. So beautiful. The architecture is just so perfect and pristine. And then you look at it for the fifth time and you're just like, but it's just a fucking building. And then you're outside and you're just like, these are just people. And then you tie the food and you're just like, this is just food. And then you ask yourself, is this all there is? And the second question you ask yourself is, what now? And it feels like this thing that I worked six years for just totally didn't live up to the standard that I thought it was going to live up to. I thought it was going to be this amazing utopia. I thought it was just going to, I thought this freedom that I have now was going to be so liberating and it's stressful. There's a lot of stress that comes with freedom. And I don't mean to be a person who just comes on here and complains, but I, I want to I shed some light on this because I didn't want to believe it. I've, I've heard John Sama say this. I've heard Tony Robbins say this. I've heard different people say this. And it's so true. Like you can accomplish your biggest goals and you, you really do hit this depression. And my mental state wasn't, at its strongest, it wasn't its best. 
I wasn't feeling so hyped up and great about life. I have a lot of exciting shit going on right now. I mean, it's really, really cool. Really cool. You know what? I've been I've been teasing you on the last few episodes of my podcast as far as what the opportunity is that landed in me and Yasmina's lap. And I'm going to reveal it here today. I'm so excited. You're, it's like really crazy. It's like, whoa, you're going to be like, whoa, that's that really is the opportunity of a lifetime. And it is. It, it 100% is. But even even with that, it's just the question of now what? And thinking of, well, if reaching your goals isn't what makes you happy, then, then what is? What does bring you happiness? So yesterday, I must have spent two hours at the very least communicatively, I think I pronounced that right, journaling and writing and clearing my head and trying to get crystal clear, trying to figure this out. I, I would go into bed to go to, to go to sleep and then I'd get up and I'd write some more and I'd go lay down. I think I did that one more time, but I probably didn't. I don't think I did. And I just had to get clear. I think I did it twice. And and it just made sense. I I understand why a lot of people have bitterness, resentment, and anger towards the world and other people. And it's because the people who feel this anger, bitterness, resentment, they have no choice but to focus on things outside of themselves and people outside of themselves because they don't have any focus on them and their life. And when they look outside, they look at objects and people as a reflection of what they're feeling inside. So if you're feeling joy and you're feeling happiness and you're feeling peace, chances are the people you look at, you're going to look at the good in them. You're going to find joy, happiness. You're going to feel excited when you see these people. But if inside you feel anger, bitterness, resentment, fear, all that, you're going to project that into the world. That's all you're going to see. And it totally makes sense why people focus on things outside of themselves because they don't have anything to focus within themselves. They don't have a purpose that they're working towards themselves. And they they don't have love outside because they can't generate love from inside. And when you are so focused on your purpose, you, you don't get shaken up by these outside forces from you. Of course, environment does play a huge part. And it's very important that you make sure that you surround yourself in the right environment. And at the same time, it's important to make sure that you are focused. I'm not looking for motivation. I'm not necessarily looking for discipline. I'm looking for focus. I'm looking for something to catch on and dial in on. What can I bring all of my focus to? And I do that through what I decide to focus on, obviously, what my purpose is. And for so long, six years, 
my focus and purpose was on developing more confidence. Building my social circle. Building a business. Being able to travel the world. And all of those are checked off. It's like, now what? So last night I made the decision. I'm going to go into my journal tomorrow, which is today. I'm just going to write out, what's my new purpose? What is it that I really want? I got to get crystal clear on that. I got to get my head straight. What I did was I went back to listen to an interview that I did with John Somez last year, the first interview that I did with him. And he talked about how when he was 33 years old and he retired, he hit this depression similar to what I'm experiencing right now. And he said, what, what brings you happiness isn't the goal you set, it's who you become on the way to getting this goal. If you put your focus on who you become instead of this external thing, you will feel this fulfillment. And having a sense of purpose towards actualizing the person that you will become, that's where you'll find that joy and, and love for life. And he said, with your purpose, you're always doing your purpose. This career doesn't matter. You're always looking to fulfill your purpose in everything you do. John Salmas gave this example of if he was a janitor, he would do the same thing. He would figure out the best way to do that job, and then he would teach others how to do that same thing. That's his purpose. That's what he would do no matter what position he was in career-wise. He would learn the best way to do something and then teach it to somebody else. So... I go down to a coffee shop today and on my way, I'm just thinking, and I think about this conversation that I had with my mom. I woke up in the middle of the night last week and I was so overwhelmed. I had to call my mom. It was like 1230 in the morning over here in London, but it was 4 p.m. in the United States. So I call her and I tell her what's going on. My mom gave me some amazing advice, and I appreciate my mom very much. I love my mom. My mom has my personality. She's a go-getter. She does not stay in her comfort zone. She changes up her life. She's enthusiastic. She's positive, and big smile, great laugh, amazing human being, One, like, probably the funniest person I know. And she said, she said several things, but there was one thing that particularly stood out to me today as I was riding my scooter to the coffee shop. And she said, don't lose Greg in the process. She said, you're doing this awesome business stuff, but don't lose Greg. And I thought about that, like, what does that mean? Like, don't lose Greg. She goes, think about what you used to do when you lived out here. You used to go to hot yoga. You would go exercise. You would be by yourself. You'd be doing your thing. Like, are you doing any of that? I'm like, not really. I haven't been doing any of that. She said, don't, don't lose Greg. So I thought about, what is it that I really like to do? What is it that I always, what is it that I've always done since I was a kid? Because that's, that'll give you the answers. That'll show you what your sense of purpose is.
And it's very simple. I, I, was, I was writing and I was like, you know what it is? No matter where I was at in my life, I always looked for ways to have fun. And for me to just have a blast, for me to laugh, for me to be loud, for me to express myself and to have people around me and to share that moment of enjoyment and laughter together. I did that when I was working at LA Fitness. I found fun in that as best as I could. That was a really intense job. When I was working at, you know, I was cold calling, when I was working as a kickboxing instructor, and even as I grow my business. Now, the last year, since I started the Morning Hustlers, I feel like I've been a lot more serious, and I've lost a lot of that fun, childlike, playfulness, comedic part of my personality that is who I am. As a matter of fact, I'm so much in that personality where I am silly as fuck. But I never really showed that to the morning hustlers. I never really showed that to you. I never really showed that to the world. But my family, my family saw it a lot. That's all my family saw. My family didn't really get the business, Greg. My family didn't really get the personal development, self-help, Greg. I'll talk about it every now and then, but most of the time it was jokes. It's all it was. It was always jokes and laughter and silliness and ridiculousness. And that's who I really am. That's who I really am. Well, I'm both. I'm both. But I don't show that side, the other side, to the world. The silliness, fucking goofy, fucking goofball, man. And as a matter of fact, I remember I was leading this meditation for the morning hustlers and my younger sister was on the call. If you don't know what the morning hustlers is, it was a 5 a.m. call that I used to do every single day of the year. And on Sundays, I started doing this meditation. And I remember she shows up on a Sunday and I'm leading the group through a meditation and she is, her camera's off and her microphone's off. And she was just laughing the whole time. I didn't know that at the time. She told me maybe a day or two later, I'm like, why are we laughing? She goes, it's so weird to see you like that. Like, what the hell? Like, it's so weird to see you be serious. <laughs> she goes, do they see you joke around? I'm like, no, not really. She goes, that's really weird. <sighs> so like, I... I I was watching this Mike Tyson podcast maybe a month or two ago. I remember Mike Tyson said, man, you know, I just took life too serious. And I feel like I've been just taking it way too fucking serious. And I haven't been bringing that joy, that childlike wonder, that, that fun that I've always brought. I remember, and I, you know what? And I was a very polarizing character, especially in high school. Like, very, very polarizing. And... Because uh, I always made fun of the fact that I was black. I was very self-deprecating in, in high school. But I I definitely made a lot of people laugh. And I remember I had the opportunity to get laid by a lot of girls. I think one time I counted, I don't know, like 16 different girls that was like ready for me. And like, let's do this. But I was too afraid. I didn't really know what to do. And I was very popular because I was good with people. And I just was always like the life of the party. Like I was the fun guy 
in the room. And I remember one time in particular, there was a substitute teacher in, in ninth grade. And I remember I had this like whole debate with somebody and the class was like <laughs> all in on it. And I had this huge debate on why Jesus is black. The whole class, <laughs> like we did no work. I just took over and had this whole debate about why Jesus is black. And then start talking about why the substitute teacher is Jewish. She might've been Mexican. I don't know. But I was so unapologetic and crazy about just not, I just didn't give a fuck in, in terms of, in terms of like humor and just like really just having a blast and I knew how to fucking make people laugh and have that fun. Now, here's the thing. It's all about the place it's coming from, right? So in that time, I did it as a way to fill a void inside myself, to fill this black hole. I needed validation. I needed, I needed love from other people. But the thing is, like, it was never enough. And when I got it, I didn't believe it because I didn't even love myself. And this isn't something that's going on consciously in my mind. This is something that's going on subconsciously. Like not even realizing it. As a matter of fact, I remember one time I watched this video online about the sad clown. The the person, the clown who makes everybody laugh and has a good time, but the clown is sad inside. And you know what? I need I think that was me. But upon reflection, that was me. That was 100 percent me. And with the morning hustlers, having people show up to listen to me speak every single day. At its peak, I had 25 to 30 people showing up every single day to listen to me give a lesson for the day, joining in on Zoom. And I wasn't even sending out Zoom links or nothing. People would go through their email or wherever they found it and click the link and make it to the morning hustlers. And it was just never enough. All the validation, all the people saying they look up to me, how I changed their life. It just wasn't enough because I, I didn't believe that within myself. And I was looking to get significance. I was looking for other people to tell me my worth. And I would imitate coaches and gurus and behave how they would behave and talk like how they would talk and say things that they would say that makes me admire them. And I felt like if I did the same thing, I would also get people to admire me as well. But every single time I did that, I veered away from who I really am inside myself, my own style, my own thoughts, my own opinions, my own experiences. And I'm trying to emulate this other person because I think that's going to get me what I think I want, which is this love from a bunch of different people. And I'm thinking this is going to make me feel better about myself. And in the short term, it does, but long term, it's never enough. As I mentioned, you need, you need more, you need more. It's kind of like the drug addict who smokes weed for the first time. I was going to say crack, but I've never done crack. And I don't want to give an analogy of something that I've never done before. So I've smoked weed for sure. You know, the first time you smoke weed, you know, you smoke, take a couple of hits. And for me, the first time I smoked weed, I didn't get high, but it took, took a, couple, I think it was my second time or third time I did it, I got high. But your tolerance is really low, right? 
So you take a couple hits, you're fucking on the moon. You are, ooh, I will go to the moon. I will go to the moon. And then you do it more and more and more, and your tolerance starts to build up. Next thing you know, you have to take several hits, and you have to smoke an entire blunt to get high. And then you got to take, you got to smoke an entire blunt. And then the next hour, you're not as high anymore, so you smoke another blunt. Or you smoke, take another bong hit. Whatever it is, it's just never enough. And your tolerance gets real high, and then just like you can just never get high enough. Like you just keep trying to up it, and you just can never get to that sense of fucking highness for a long period of time. Your tolerance builds up. And it's the same thing with validation and getting that love from other people, especially in this crowd sense, right? Where you're just like, you're trying to gain significance through the validation from other people looking up to you. And I'm glad I stopped the morning hustlers because it it just stopped bringing in happiness because I wasn't really focused on what I should focus on that would have brought more happiness. I focused more on selfish things. How do I look? making myself look good, making myself look like the expert. And my ego was fucking inflated as fuck. I had this big ass fucking ego as far as who I thought I was and how I'm better than other people. And it comes back every now and then. If you listen to the last podcast I do, you hear so much ego in that podcast. It's just, it's it's almost embarrassing, but I'm gonna leave it up only because Look, I'm a fucking human being. I want to show you that not everything is like rainbows and sunshine and everything is easy all the time and my life's this big highlight reel. Look, I fucking revert and I I get sucked up back into that mindset as far as why I'm better than other people and why all this shit, right? My ego just goes crazy. So instead of focusing on why do I look great, how do I, why don't I just focus on how can I help, how can I contribute and, and add value to somebody else's life and not necessarily to make myself look good, but it makes me feel good to bring joy into other people's lives. How much, how much do you spend time laughing? How much time do you, how much joy do you actually have in your life? A lot of people don't experience that much joy. A lot of people feel a sense of loneliness. A lot of people feel out of place. A lot of people feel not too happy with their situation. And I really feel like I'm meant to be a beacon of light for a lot of people, especially where I've come from with my background and being able to overcome that and to be able to reframe the challenges that I've had in my life and look at them in such an amazing positive light and how I frame my biggest challenges, obstacles, problems, and domestic violence and being called nigger to my face and flipping that on its head and saying that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And to be able to bring positivity no matter how much hell has been in my life. And that's just, it's not something that I'm just like natural at. I, I guess sort of, I guess it's the happy clown face that I grew up with. It, it helped me cope a lot with the trauma and anxiety that I, I felt internally. Uh, but I was able to solve a lot of that within myself when I went to Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny. And that's what really helped me reframe a lot of my emotional trauma and, and challenges that I had in my life.
I'm so grateful for that. But if I if I change my my thought process in terms of how can I look good, how can I inflate my ego and engage in activities that make me seem like I'm superior, well, it's going to be never enough. But if I change my focus to, hey, am I getting better? Am I bringing more joy into my life? Am I becoming the person that I really want to become? Am I taking those actions every day? And do I feel happy about myself? Am I, am I on my path? Am I purpose? And the contribution side of it, because this is what brings happiness and fulfillment. And Tony Robbins' events, he says, there's a science of achievement, which is basically you decide on what you want. You take massive action towards it. You see whether you're getting closer or further. If you're getting closer, keep taking more action. If you're getting further, re change your approach, change your approach, change your approach until you get to where you want. That's the science of achievement. But the art of fulfillment is different. Achievement, success without fulfillment is ultimate failure, as Tony Robbins says. So the art of fulfillment is different. And the reason why it's a science, because what science of achievement is science because it's like, yeah, here's A plus B plus C equals D. This is what you'll get, right? Clear path, goal, uh, massive action, reassess, or if, if you need, like be aware and then keep taking action and then re change your approach and then you'll get the fucking answer. You'll get it without a doubt. If you have mentors and you'll, you'll fucking make it happen. It's a no brainer. And it's a science. You can do that. Repeat it. It's scientific. It's like a fucking thesis that's been proven over and over and over again. And then the art of fulfillment is different because it's an art. It's not necessarily a science. And the reason why it's an art is because it's different to everybody else. What's art really? Art is within the eyes of the beholder, right? So with fulfillment, when you put your focus towards growth within yourself and growing how you want to grow and what you want to do, and you get to contribute, you get to help, you get to make an impact, you get to see others thrive and win, growth. And contribution equals happiness and fulfillment. So instead of me looking at it in terms of bringing the fun to get laughs and to fuel my ego and, and significance and make me feel good about myself, what if I instead flipped that on its head and looked at it as a way of, all right, in the daytime, I grow, I make stuff happen, I, I'm living my purpose, I'm working on my business, and, and I get to contribute at the same time. But when I'm in interactions, it's like, hey, I'm a... I'm going to interactions to learn and also like how can I bring what's natural to me, my greatest gift, which is my humor and my, my fun, my enthusiasm, my life, my life force, my energy, my spirit. How can I bring more of that? How can I really make a difference in these people's lives? How can I shake them up and show them that they're meant for more and to do it in a way where they have the fucking time of their life around me and to do it where they're like, so emotionally charged where they do take fucking action to live how they want to live and awaken that fucking dormant giant that's been inside of them. Little Tony Robbins callback with awaken the giant within, but in all seriousness. So a big thing is I've, I've just been, I've been losing track of the fun. I haven't been having fun as much as I, I have been and bringing that silliness factor. And part of me just feels that I've been, 
uh, numbing myself and dumbing down myself because there's this huge PC culture. Everybody's so sensitive. There's a lot of people who are just uh, PC police telling you how, you how you should think and behave. And that's a lot of social pressure. But you know what? Fuck that, man. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that. I'm not going to bend myself to make somebody else happy who's not even happy within themselves. I'm not going to bend myself to get approval from somebody who doesn't even love themselves. Why does that person's approval even matter? It doesn't. Their approval of me has nothing to do with me and my worth. Why is it that I'm looking for it? There's no reason to. So you know what? Yeah, I have a very polarizing sense of humor, and I'm going to bring that out some more. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to a social event tonight, and it's like, dude, as I was talking, I was thinking about that fucking guy from um, that, like that Santa Barbara shooter guy who was like the retaliation or the retribution thing, and he goes, these girls, they reject me, and I'll, I'll show the world show you and it's like it's really creepy I, i'm sure it's still up on youtube and i just felt that right like right now like like almost like serial killer vibes like i'm gonna go to the social event tonight and i'll show them <laughs> i will be polarizing <laughs> and i'll be myself i'll express my opinions and that's so funny uh yeah i definitely felt that right now anyway so excited to to go out and just reconnect with that and just uh bring everything full circle, you know, just not losing Greg, because that's a huge part of me is my my humor, my silliness, my my just just being a fucking dumbass, man. Like I fucking miss that shit. And I, I think I remember I heard Owen Cook say it's like at first when you get into the self-help journey, right? Like before, you remember a time where you were like super jo- joyful and, and joking and 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 like having so much fun. And then you go through this time where it's very serious it's very 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 serious time and you're just like dialed in and you're focused and it's life and it's like not making this happen and then this the third phase is you're trying to get back to the first phase where you're joking and playful and serious it's like you have to learn the self-help stuff and the business stuff so you can forget it because that becomes ingrained in you and then you bring back that childlike stuff and then you re, you know you re- bring that joy back into your life with these serious self-help principles integrated inside yourself. So man, it feels so good. It feels so good to share this. So let me let me go ahead and share with you what what's been going on behind the scenes. Are you ready for this? This is what I've been teasing for the last maybe 3 or 4 podcasts. Yasmina and I have gotten involved in this mastermind called Maverick 1000. Maverick 1000, if you just go to maverick1000.com, you can see it's a big mastermind with successful entrepreneurs who have seven to nine figure businesses and they come together to make an impact in the world. And their three core pillars are growth, impact, and fun. And the headline says, one Maverick entrepreneur can transform an an industry and 1,000 Maverick entrepreneurs can transform the world. And members of Maverick 1,000 include Sir Richard Branson, 
Sarah Blakely, the CEO of Tequila, Tim Ferriss, Peter Diamandes, Russell Simmons, Tony Hawk. Tony Shea was part of it before he passed. Ryan Dice, you know, Perry Belcher. As a matter of fact, Ryan Dice and Perry Belcher met through Maverick and formed a partnership and eventually created War Room. Isn't that crazy? And Yasmina and I are part of the Young Entrepreneur Division. We're running it for entrepreneurs who are 27 and under and have a six-figure business. And it's our role to bring people into that community, which is extremely exciting because it is our job now to bring in the future leadership, the, the entrepreneurial leaders of tomorrow. That's who we're bringing into this group. Think about that. The next group of leaders of tomorrow are the people that we're going to be congregating and bringing together to create amazing things where from this group, you'll see the next Grant Cardone. You see the next Tony Robbins. You'll see the next Brennan Burchard. You see the next Dean Graziosi. You'll see the next Lewis Howes, Tom Bilyeu. You'll see these giants, these influencers, and Russell Brunson, Pete Vargas, all these big, big entrepreneurs. And we get to go on this journey together, bring these people in, change their lives, form partnerships and relationships, and basically get to play entrepreneurship for the next 20, 30 years, see each other grow, help support each other, see the, all the money that they're going to make. And the beautiful thing is not only just that, but these young entrepreneurs are also going to be able to connect with the mentors who are part of Maverick 1000, who have seven to nine figure businesses. There's a big mentorship key component to this community. So you have entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs who have done something in their life, who have built this business and getting directly mentored from people who have seven to nine figure businesses and just putting them all together and brainstorming and helping each other grow and make an impact and have fun in the meantime. When I tell you that Yasmin and I are excited to be the people running this community, the word excitement, excited is such an understatement to how we feel. And we're going to be launching this coming in 2022. And we're going to be getting on stages, digital stages, physical stages, and just shouting Maverick from the rooftop. And you may have noticed that my Instagram name is Greg the Maverick. And dude, it is going to be wild because we have the resources, we have the capital, we have the perfect product, we have the brand name, we have the, the credibility. You know what they just don't have? They just don't have the marketing behind it. And guess who they're bringing in as the marketers? And guess who's going to be the people that are bringing in these people? We're the faces of Maverick next. And we're going to have access to the Maverick members who are thinking of like, hey, who should I connect with in Maverick next? We're going to have like, uh, it's going to be just so much. Like we're, it's going to make it so easy to build amazing relationships with the Maverick next members. And it's going to be really easy to build relationship with the Maverick 1000 members and, and bring them together. And where they're going to be the super connectors of the future. Um, it's... 
the perfect position. And it's just something that my mentor used to say to me all the time, which I was too young to understand. But he said, success is when preparation meets opportunity. And the last six or seven years since I've gone into personal development has been all preparation. And the guy who started Maverick Next, his name is uh, Dimitri. He said, there's this inflection point that comes in your in an entrepreneur's, a young entrepreneur's journey where they've been working, they've been putting their focus towards building their business. And around 25 years old is where they hit this inflection point where it's, they're ready to write the next greatest chapter of their life. And they need like, there's like this soar that happens, like when they hit that 25 mark and they want to be able to breathe there for the entrepreneurs at that mark to really help them accelerate their life and their business. And that inflection point is a direct reflection of all the work that you've put in all the years leading up to that inflection point happening. And it's so true because I feel that now I feel that the public speaking that I've done, the improv that I've done, Toastmasters, the cold calling, the hardcore sales, the work ethic, the morning hustlers, running a marathon, the trauma work, the spiritual work, sensory deprivation tanks, just going to crazy events and learning and growing and really shaping my mind. All of that has led up to this opportunity where I am now prepared and ready and am going to hopefully succeed. You know, nothing's nothing's set in stone. Yeah, there's an op there's a chance that this may fail. And you know, I'm not oblivious to that. Just like with any entrepreneurial endeavor. But there's also a really good chance that this will succeed as well. And in the event that it does, it can really shape our lives for the next 20, 30, 40 years plus. And we're just extremely grateful for that. So man, You know, it feels really good to, to share this and get this off my chest because I get to work out my thoughts as I speak as well. And I hope you get a lot of value from this. And I hope it's been helpful. And most of all, I hope that it helps put you on, think helps you think different than the way you did before and helps put you on a better path. So if you got a lot of value from this, I'd appreciate a DM on Instagram. Just tell me what your favorite part of the episode is. I, I always appreciate the feedback. I appreciate the love. And uh, I appreciate you. So keep up the good work. Keep making it happen. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. And I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.